Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast where we talk about issues relating to health, fertility, and parenthood. On today's episode, I am joined by Amy Jo Mathias. Amy Jo is the CEO of Pavo Navigation Coaching, a unique resource that helps companies eliminate toxicity from the workplace. Often described as a spark plug, Matthias brings years of rich and varied professional experience to all of her endeavors. She is a scholar and professor, a seasoned organizational leader and executive, and a keen listener. Amy Jo has always been committed to being a catalyst for change and to transforming systems of exclusivity and separation into opportunity for all. She considers it her life purpose to equip individuals, organizations, and companies with tangible, easy, and actionable tools that take the office from a a place that is toxic and siloed to one that is collaborative, innovative, and welcoming. Welcome to the show, Amy Jo. I'm so excited for you to be joining me here today and very excited for all the great things that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, it's so good to be here, Joe, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. So I asked you to come on to the show because I'm always looking for people who assist others in their responses to life, hence the name of my show. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, I, you know, I previously to my audience, uh, when we come from a place of reactivity based on emotions and based on innate reactions from the past that we've done time and time and again, or we can shift to a more mindful state, a place of awareness and clarity to allow us to make positive responses to life's challenges. And so that's why I was drawn to the work that you're doing. And and then as I looked into your website, I just loved that section about your description of how you came about the name. And so, um, Pavo, you were writing that it means peacock in Latin. And I didn't know this, that peacocks can't be poisoned. And it says on your site that they just ingest it and and transmuted into fertilizer, which is amazing. And then your choice of the word navigation, navigate instead of manage, and how manage implies control, and that the truth is we can't control things. So I'd love for you to start off by talking about what you do um, with your clients and how you help them respond to life's challenges. Yeah, I'm so glad you went on my site and, and you found it helpful. <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> it just fun to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the name was, as you said, very intentional um, because what we do with our clients and with teams in the workplace is we equip them with tools to transmute toxic work environments and the and and actually turn them into um into effective ways to cultivate healthy collaborative creative engaging interactive respectful mutual work environments and work experiences um so primarily all workplaces have some level of toxicity some are more extreme than others, but I'm pretty sure that it's safe to say that most of your, your listeners out there will at some point be nodding their head, right? Like, yes, I experience dysfunction, um, distrust. Um, I feel, I don't feel safe. I feel threatened. I feel like I'm constantly having to prove, prove, prove. Um, I have to overwork, um, just to keep my role. 
all of these, all of these um, experiences are consequences of a toxic work environment. And so what we do is we, we follow the way of the peacock and we equip them with tools and practices that include even language and vocabulary to use in everyday real life situations that are actionable, accessible, and immediately um, impactful that begin to do what the peacock does, which is transmute what is toxic into what is potentially um, fertile and creative environments to grow profit, you know, to grow productivity, to grow um, collaboration. And those are the environments that most of us want to be in. And as you were saying, the navigation piece, um, that's one of the tools, actually. An example of a tool is navigating something instead of trying to manage it and control it. Because, and here's an example of one of the tools, they're very simple, um, intentionally, is when we hear ourselves talk about control or, or I, you know, I hear it all the time, I just need to focus on the things that are in my control. And when we use the word control, it's very loaded. And the reality is that when we use that word, what we're thinking is, I'm going to focus on the things that I can make happen the way I think they ought to happen <laughs> and get exactly the outcome that I believe I need to have and exactly in the way and in the time that I'm going to say is has to happen. And the reality is that oftentimes that doesn't go that way, not because of anything we've done particularly, um, but by other things that happen that impact this project that we're working on. And um, we stress out. That's where a lot of stress comes from. We call it, we call it white knuckling in a project. You know, you're like holding on to it. And I've got to get this done at this time and in this way. And it has to look just like this. And um, that is an incredibly stressful way to go about it. And it also, if, if, um, if you could see me right now, like I'm, uh, my body's all tight and it's all crunched and we are far less effective that way. Um, and when we let go and allow ourselves to navigate, which is about being clear, it's about being, um, uh, having clear expectations, clarity of deliverable, clarity of time. And it's about knowing whose job is what, where mine ends and yours begins. It's also about knowing what resources I have to support me. Who can I go ask a question? Um, I And knowing the resources on my team. Oh, this part of the project is not where I excel at, but I know that this is where Joe does. So I'm going to go ask her if she can take this part for me. I'm going to go delegate it to her. Um, and that's, in the in essence, that's what navigation is instead of the control of management, which when storms hit us, if you can think of a ship, right, when storms hit us and we're navigating it and it, they blow us off course, um, the navigation tools that I just outlined allow us to get back onto course or to find a new course to the place that we wanted to get to. I love that description that you um, just described for us so very nicely. Um, 
that idea of navigating is definitely definitely more productive than that idea of trying to control. And and that's often what is talked about on this show is this idea of control, whether it's within our wellness or our fertility and trying to become parents or once we are parents, trying to control our our lives with our children. Um, and so putting it under the perspective of navigation instead and especially that visual of that ship in the water and having to sort of navigate it out of the storm is just so powerful to me. So um, I just love that. Thank you. Love uh, that. I'm so glad. Hey, Jill, can I jump in for one other thing that I think um, you pinged in, in my consciousness um, with what you just said that might be helpful for your, your listeners in regard to work, but also in regard to parenting? Um, is that we don't have control over what our kids do, <laughs> over how they respond, how they react, over what they want, how loud their voices are. Um, but we do have choice. And, and one of my clients brought up to me when we were talking about this in regard to her own work-life experience, she said, oh, wow, I'm realizing that this is true for even how I help my son navigate his own need to like control a situation um, that I can g- actually give him this tool like of how and where can you identify where you can make a choice in this situation instead of having it be just it has to be this way or it's going to or I'm going to throw a temper tantrum right and so I think that that tool of recognizing where we feel like we should be in control and then like opening our hands to that navigation and discovering, well, really, where do I have choice in this situation? And that's also a very supportive, helpful tool to navigate instead of managing control. Mm, Yes. Choice is definitely uh, a big part of it. All I have to say choice and that idea of letting go is so often that I, um, tell my mindfulness and meditation students to do is to, um, to release and, and let go and how it, then it allows you that clarity to really see what, what you are able to choose to do and mm-hmm. how you can go about doing it. And as you say, how you can navigate what this choice is that you've made, um, so you touched upon, uh, your, one of your clients talking about how they can translate it into their own lives with their children. I think that's a great way for us to segue into, um, how, you know, how, what you help people do in terms of managing stress and anxiety in the workplace, how it affects not only them as an employee, but overall, within the company, and then how it gets translated and brought into one's life outside of work. Stress. Yes, stress and anxiety. Stress and anxiety. Um, It's interesting. We were just, I I also, in addition to my company, I also host with another, a partner of mine um, who was a former client. We host a a weekly um, circle up, we call it. We actually call it a LAU circle up, an L-A-U circle up, which maybe this will give me an opportunity to, to segue into the construct of Fliss and Lau, um, which I, 
if your listeners are confused right now and don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> that's okay because I will explain it in a minute. But on on the weekly Lao Circle Up that we were um, talking about last night, we were talking just about this very thing, burnout, stress, um, and overwhelm. And where does it come from and how do we navigate it? And um, I said to, to, to the women who were gathered there, um, you're, you're probably not going to like what I say next, but um, it is my belief and experience that stress and the, the, all the biological, physiological responses to stress in our life, to the pressures and to, to what we are experiencing is real. It's credible. It's valid. And once we bring awareness to to what those um, indicators are of the fact that we are in a stressful place or we are stressing out, um, now we're in choice. And we can choose whether or not we are going to continue to feed the stress or choose whether, as you said, we're going to shift to feed something that actually is healthy and in support of my life and my health and my relationships, right? And so um, let me get to your question about how I coach and my coaches coach to do that through this um, construct that I have created of fear, lack, and separation and love, abundance, and unity. Is that okay if I do that now? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. So it is my belief, and I have come to this place through a very um, rich and diverse career that has taken me on multiple paths. Um, I've come to this place to, to understand that the world that we live in and the way it works, the foundation of it and all that it has shaped through that foundation. And by that, I mean how we do everything, whether it's how we do business, how we do family, how we do parenting, how we do um, education, healthcare, government, criminal justice, anything in our world. It's been shaped and formed through the three primary energies of fear, lack, and separation. And because that is so, we have all been really trained in that. <laughs> We've been trained in the story of lack and scarcity, that there's not enough for everybody. And so we have to um, really be on guard and sometimes even fight for what we need for me and mine, right? And, um, and that that leads to fear because we're constantly in this, in this state of anxiety about um, not getting what we need, not having enough, um, whatever the enough is, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's love, whether it's um, um, a job, whether it's a, 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 ch a child, right? We, we live in, in fear that there's not enough. And then that creates separation because um, if I am in competition with you for the small amount that we that exists, then we separate ourselves from each other. And we also separate ourselves from ourselves. The good news, <laughs> the great news actually, is that even though 
we have been schooled with the idea that we actually come from lack and fear and separation and different belief systems call it different things. But I like fear, lack and separation, which we call fliss because it's very accessible. Um, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't matter what, what uh, gender you are, what ethnicity you are, what culture you came from, what belief system you came from. Everybody can access the idea of fear, lack and separation and all the iterations of all of those. We didn't come from there. That's the good news. The good news is that the truth of our origin story is that we all come from love, abundance, and unity, or Lao, that are the opposing energies to fear, lack, and separation, and that are actionable and accessible to all of us to remember how to practice them in our lives in every single situation. So how do love, abundance, and unity show up, right? How do they show up in a situation when we feel stress? And one way, actually it's a foundational tool, you can use this tool in any situation, is to identify the fear, lack, and separation, right? So where, in this case, of navigating stress, where is this stress coming from? What is the pressure that is on me? Maybe it's somebody said last night in the circle up, um, I feel stressed out uh, because I there are expectations on me of like er, all the other mothers are doing this, so I should be doing this, right? Um, I every all the other families are putting their kids in this, so I should be putting my kids in this. Or um, so identifying where is this stress coming from? What's the origin of it? remembering that stress is a choice. And so I'm going to say, okay, I see that my stress is coming from that. I don't want to feed that. I'm not going to make that bigger. And then shifting consciously or mindfully, as you say, to choosing what I want to feed is abundance, spaciousness, autonomy, agency, my own expression of my voice, what I really, truly want. And let's just use that example from my circle up last night. What I want is for my kids to be grounded and know that they're loved and for them to do what they want to do, not what I want to make them do, even though all these other parents are doing it. So the clarity then is like, oh, my kids don't want to go to this thing. I want my kids to get clear about what they want and do what they want. So, oh, I'm going to let myself not do this. Like, I'm not going to make my kids go to whatever this thing is that everybody else is doing. And I'm going to take a stand for me and what is important to me as a parent and let go of that stress. I'm not, I'm not going to take it on anymore. Um, so that's one example of how to use that tool of identifying the fliss and then consciously choosing not to feed it and then shifting to find actionable ways to feed and grow love, abundance, and unity. And it works in the workplace as much as it works in our personal lives whether that's 
in our uh, intimate professor, excuse me, intimate personal relationships or our professional relationships. I'll pause there. That was fantastic. I totally loved everything about what you said. There's just so many different alignments with with the mindfulness meditation teachings that I have with, with my own practice. And, um, you know, is the stress being a choice. It's amazing how um, people oftentimes think it, it controls them. It takes them over without realizing that there is a process by which we can identify what's happening and then make that conscious decision of which path to actually follow. Um, so I thank you for sharing with us that your your methodology of your lack of separation. And then I just love the love abundance unity. It's just amazing to have. It's helpful to have um, all these different strategies and tools laid out so that you can easily see how different scenarios within your own life can um, sort of fit into it and have that be applied to it to make it work. And you mentioned a lot about um, speaking and working with uh, working mothers. And I'd love for you to transition over to discussing how you help um, working mothers, you know, navigate the challenges of balancing work and, and their home life. Yeah, it's a trick. (laughs) Um, and the whole thing is the whole question is ensconced in flissiness, right? Um, because of a variety of things that you and I know, and I'm sure all your listeners know is that there are different expectations for women than there are for men. Um, I have a, a client currently who, who, um, I've been with for quite a while and I was with her through her whole fertility treatment. And she's now um, one week from going on that leave. And we've been talking a lot about um, the impacts of what it means to be a woman going on mat leave, as opposed to um, men who, who are having a baby. Right. Um, And the expectations change and the question about like, oh, you know, am I going to have my role when I get back? Um, And also, how do I navigate um, whether or not I want to come back? And um, how do I how do I make those kinds of of decisions or even allow myself the space to ask that question? Um, And so I think we need to, or it is important to presence that flissiness around women working in the workplace. Um, and I have clients who um, have experienced being judged because they do work. I have had, I have clients who are stay-at-home moms who feel judged because of it. So I think we, we can have it like, the flussiness of this of this subject matter is an equal opportunity offender, right? <laughs> um, and within that, what is the first step is getting clarity about what you require. So some people 
require that I spend X amount of time. Like I am always done at five so that I am the one cooking with my kids. I am the one spending the evening with them. I am with my partner. We're doing bath time and we're doing that. And we're pretty, and I, so I am not back on my cute computer after I finish a day, a day is a day and it's done. That's important to know because that will drive how you navigate the, either the workplace environment and culture that you're already in that maybe expects you to work at night. Um, or if you know you don't want that to help you look for a place and a workplace culture that says yes to that and, and respects it. Um, so you have to know what you require. You have to know what your priorities are. Go ahead. You know, no, I'm just agreeing with everything you're saying. I'm just totally vibing with it. I love it. You do. It does require... It requires, I'm constantly talking on my podcast about the power of the pause. And in that pause, it gives you a moment to reevaluate and to ask yourself these, these introspective questions that maybe you haven't ever had the moment to really consider because then it, it allows you to have that moment of clarity. And then it gives you that, again, that opportunity to make a choice based on what you have found out about what your new needs are. We're constantly evolving and our lives are constantly changing. So that means that, you know, our paths also thereby change. And the story that we created for ourselves in the beginning isn't necessarily a story that we find ourselves in many years later. And so we're constantly need to take that pause to evaluate and ask ourselves those questions. And I love how you put it in that perspective when it comes to this idea of, of being a, um, a woman who has all these expectations that they have to navigate through and find themselves having to make choices based off of that. Expectations are just, I mean, <laughs> they are, they create so much unnecessary stress, um, especially when they're not addressed or when we don't even see that they're playing such a huge role in our lives. Um, and so that, I would love to transition that into this idea of taking a mental health day from work. It was one of the things that um, is something that you speak about. And I would love to hear the strategies that you found have helped your clients to take this, this mental wellness day from work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to say one more thing about what we were just talking about, and I'll use that to transition into this. One of the reasons why I agree 100% with you that we are in evolution all the time. And so we need to give ourselves permission to consistently be checking in with what it is that we need um, is also because not it's not just because we're always evolving, but it's also because as women, especially, we have been trained to disconnect from what we really need and what we want. And we have been been schooled and taught and shaped to be the ones who put everybody else's needs above ours. And so I experience in my own life, but as a coach with, with um, I've, I experienced this, this with men as well, but particularly with women, 
Um, that's a hard question. What do you really want? What do you need? What do you require? In fact, a lot of women go require. Ooh, I don't want to use that word. What do you mean? What do I require? Um, but they're powerful words, right? Like, what do you insist on for yourself? Um, is well, my invitation is make that the first question. Then you decide about the rest of what else is going to happen in your day. What do I require today? Um, what do I need? And then let me look at how the rest of everybody else's needs can, can happen. And that's true for work and at home. Um, and, but we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. We, we try um, because, because we're, we've been told to, we try to meet everybody's expectations. So we try to be the mom, the wife, the, the partner, the, the friend, the, the professional and we try to do it all in, as somebody said last night, how do you do this all in a 24 hour day? Mm-hmm. And it's like, my answer was you don't. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and if you, we try, it is unsustainable. Right. And that's what leads to burnout and overwhelm and stress. And that's why taking intentional mental health days are critical. And they were before COVID, but now even more so important. And what I guide my my clients through is I, I have created a guide, actually. Um, and it's intended to simply be that, a guide. Like you can use parts of it you want, use the parts that resonate, let, let the other part go. Um, but it is to to be intentional about creating what I call sacred space. And by that, I simply mean space that has been set aside for you to intentionally release what needs to be released and get clear about what we were just talking about, needs, wants, requirements for my life, and then um, move through to, okay, so at the end of this day, what are my next steps? How am I going to proceed out of this mental health day? And I, I wrote this guide because I had heard so many times my clients saying over and over again, well, I spent a mental health day, but it didn't help at all. And well, well, what did you do on your mental health day? Well, I, I played video games most of the day. Um, or, well, I watched Netflix, I binged. Or, well, I, you know, and, and they can't figure out why that didn't make things better. Um, because what we need to do is exactly what you're talking about, Joe, is release what isn't serving us and get clear about that. What is that? And then, and, and give ourselves permission to let it go and then get clarity about what do I need? What do I insist on in my life, in my work, in my personal relationships, in my parenting relationships? And then from there, affirm, you know, that that is, um, that is good to get that clarity and to own it, give ourselves permission to take a stand for that. And then um, it's clearer about priorities then. What are those priorities for my next days for how I'm going to move through what feels chaotic and heavy and overwhelmed at work or what feels that way perhaps at home. And um, 
so that's what an intentional mental health day is. Um, my guide starts with different ways to create that sacred space. Um, and really, it's all about calling in the energies of love, abundance, and unity. There's, you know, that that's the only belief system that I teach or preach. Um, and then there's a couple prompts for people to respond to in journal if they want to. There's also suggestions about um, different exercises to do to get stuff out, you know, to get the toxicity out. Um, and... Um, and then at the very, at the end, it, it is to do something uh, lavish and, and loving for yourself. Um, I just had a client who used this uh, last week and they said, and I was surprised. I didn't think they were going to use it. And um, they said, so I used the guide and um, I had no idea it would be so impactful. And, and they actually said, you know, I've never cried that much. Like I've never allowed myself to cry. Um, and, um, this is like, feels like a new beginning, um, just to be intentional about it can be a new beginning for people. That's just, I love all of it. <laughs> I love the idea of being intentional. I mean, it just so many, so many things that are uh, very much what I ascribe to and, and try to teach my students when I'm guiding them on an introduction into mindfulness and meditation and awareness. Well, you know, I always ask my guests to, to share with us a lesson learned or a takeaway that listeners can take into consideration, but you've given us so many, but I'll just ask for one last one and how the listeners can respond to life in a more mindful manner. If there was one thing that they could do today to, um, to do that. Yeah. I think the one takeaway to do today would be to increase your awareness of your language. So when you're using the word stress, oh, I'm so stressed out. This is so hard. Ugh, I'm burned out. Um, or um, even the word control. Like, well, I'm just going to look at the things I can control. Well, I have to control this. Um, whatever it is, uh, bring awareness to your language and then make a commitment that when you say these words, stressed, stressed out, any version of that, burned out, overwhelmed and control. When you say those words, make a commitment to pause, as you said, and ask, what do I really mean? And how else can I express what I'm experiencing here? because we call these words uh, flissy blankets or fliss blankets because we use them we use them so generally all the time we actually forget or get less aware of what is really happening of the specifics of what is going on for us and when we are less aware, we're less clear, and it's when we are in confusion and obfuscation about not really understanding what's happening, that's when we, that's when we stress out. That's when we, all those narratives of fear and lack and separation go, and they send us into these, you know, whirlwinds. Um, so bring awareness to your language, 
and invite yourself to get specific about what you really mean. And my invitation would be to go further from that as you exercise that muscle to, like I just asked the client I was on right before before I came on with you, Joe, I, I asked her, I said, are you open to no longer using the word hard? And they laughed and said, like, why? Like, are you aware of the number of times you've used it in this session? And they were like, they laughed, they're like, not at all. And so we use these words and they have weight to them. And that adds to the stress. So that's the takeaway. That is a great one. I really, I really dig that. That's, and it's very impactful. Just the choice of, you know, I've often, um, when I ask my, my clients to journal and things, one of the, the word choices is I have to do something versus I get to. Yeah. Like completely changes what it is that you're, you're trying to do and what's on your list. And it, it switches just instantly little things. So your words, you're right. They yeah. really have great weight and meaning to it and can change your, your whole day and your perspective. Well, thank you so much, Amy Jo. I always like to end my podcast by having, you know, speaking of that shift from negativity to positivity to have my guests share their gratitude for the day. My gratitude for the day is, what's my gratitude for the day? Well, I'm grateful for being on here to be able to talk about this with your listeners. And I'm grateful for the work that you're doing. Um, and I guess I, I am grateful for the clarity and what I believe is true that we all come from love, abundance, and unity, because it, it, especially in these times, it gives me such assurance that we do not have to stay here and that it is within our human capacity to shift away from the ugliness of fear, lack, and separation and, and create a world for ourselves and our children that we want to live in. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. Well, I'm grateful for the connection so that we can have this conversation. <laughs> it's been amazing. And I'm so happy to share it with the listeners. In the spirit of giving and receiving, I'd love for you to share how that audience can connect with you to learn more, perhaps to work with you. Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way would be through the website, and that's www.pavonavigation.com. You could, if you're like, oh, I want to find out. Oh, I should also invite you. If anybody wants to come to the Lao Circle Ups on Wednesday nights, those are totally free. And um, they're from five to six Pacific. And um, you can come when you want to, leave when you need to. Um, and uh, everyone's welcome. And so if you if you know you want to talk with me or you want to get on the Lao Circle Up uh, list, just send me, shoot me an email. That's just my name, A-M-Y-J-O at pavonavigation.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. What a great resource to be able to tap into. That sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much, Amy Jo. This has been so insightful and I've had a great time um, speaking with you and getting to know more about your work. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Jo. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Responding to Life podcast. For more info on today's guest, check out the episode summary. 
I'd love to connect with you more, so be sure to check out my website, respondingtolifepodcast.com, for links to previous episodes, articles I've written, and interviews I've done on mindfulness, meditation, infertility, and parenting. You'll also find free video meditations on my site and on my YouTube channel, Josephine Atlery Meditation. If you'd like to book a one-on-one session with me, you can do so on the website. You can also follow me on Instagram at Josephine R. Atlery for daily inspiration and mindfulness tips. Finally, I'd love for you to join my Facebook groups to connect with a supportive community and receive greater insight on how to incorporate mindfulness into your life. Check out the Mindful Parenting Group with Josephine Atlery or the Empowering Your Fertility Group. Thanks again for tuning in today. I look forward to sharing more conversations with you on how to respond to life in a more mindful way. Thank you.